Amen. Y'all can be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. And as you are seated, would you uh, would y'all join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, you you are Hosanna. Even if we don't fully know it, you are Hosanna. You are our Savior. You are the only thing, the only person who saves us. Today, we honor you as Hosanna. We honor you as our true Hosanna. I pray that people here, that people in churches everywhere, that people who are not in churches would be drawn to know you as Hosanna, Savior, and worship you as the Messiah, the one who has come and the one who has come again. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the baptism. Thank you for our children. Thank you for our church. Thank you for your body. May we honor that in Christ-like love, Christ-like faith, Christ-like worship, and in everything that we do, be about Jesus because He is Hosanna, our Savior. In His name we pray, amen. As we get going, would you uh, take your Bibles, if you have them, if you don't, we, uh, we have Bibles over there. Uh, at the table that we would uh, happily give you, if you would like it, and turn to John 12. I'm going to start reading about the first Palm Sunday. We're going to read John 12, verse 12 through 19. And also, as you're going to that scripture passage, we have some sermon notes with some scripture highlighted. You can write notes on that, but those are some scriptures that we want to highlight for you. John 12, starting with verse 12, and again reading through verse 19. The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Palm Sunday, Jesus coming into Jerusalem and we know what would happen later in the week. Two questions I want to start out this morning. First question is, why should we celebrate Holy Week? As in Holy Week, today Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday. Why should we celebrate? You would say, hey, it's Easter. I mean, it's the most important holiday of the Christian faith. I mean, it's Easter. It's when we get to, you know, dress up in our Easter finest. We get to, you know, bring our families to church. We get to have the big Easter dinner or Easter brunch. It's Easter. It's, it's the holiday. It's the day, you know. And, and I agree, but, I mean, like, do we really celebrate it? Do we really honor Holy Week, the entire week? Another question I would have is the passage I read, I mean, 
the people of Jerusalem were coming out, honoring Jesus, worshiping him, crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna. And five days later, they would be spitting on him, cursing him, and nailing him to a cross. How did that happen? How do winds of of favor turn so quickly? How does that happen? What I hope to do today is try to help you see how that can happen. And, you know, we would say, hey, if we were there, and, you know, we're, we're good Christian folks, we would never do that, right? And how easily we can do that. Honestly, how easily we can do that today. So I hope in this sermon and in the ones coming up in Holy Week, what we want to do about it, we want to put you in the scene. Today is Palm Sunday. Thursday, the Lord's Supper. Friday, on the cross. We want to put you there. So what was going on there? Jesus was coming in. But the backstory is there was horrendous, horrendous Roman oppression. Roman rule was fierce. Roman rule was mighty. Roman rule was the law. Roman rule was a fist that stomped out anything that rose up against the glory and the power of Rome. And the people of God, the Jewish faith, had lived under this oppression for years and years and years and years. This weekend, I've been watching some of a, a great Easter movie. If you, um, if you get a chance, I would highly recommend watching it this week. Ben-Hur, it's an oldie, but a goodie, a classic, Ben-Hur. And I love it, it shows Ben-Hur is a Jew, ultimately he will come to Christ. But his best friend is a Roman. And he's talking to Masala, the Roman. And he's talking about how, how Rome is, is so oppressive and weighing down on his people. So when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, these people who were laying down palm branches, they were, they were so oppressed. They had been so beaten down. They had been so depraved. I mean, they, they were like poor, impoverished, low status, low end of the totem pole. Because of Rome. And so here they see Jesus, and what had just happened is that he had raised Lazarus from the dead, okay? Now, this was a game changer. Because before Jesus had come, he had taught, and he had said some radical stuff, and he had healed. He had healed the sick, he had taught. And people were thinking, you know, maybe the Messiah, but now, whoa, this dude raised a man from the dead, and everybody saw it. I mean, he walked out of the tomb, he still had his, his garments on. They're like, this is legit. This is for real. The Messiah has come. I mean, you, you can teach, and there were even healers, but to raise a man from the dead, there's like, this is it. It's, it's game over, game changer. It's done. The Messiah has come. We have victory. Victory. It's kind of like, you know, for us, for us football fans that if your team, if a pro team drafts, you know, the big pick in college, you think, man, this is it, this is legit. Here's what he's done, and we know what he's going to do. Or maybe a big trade, maybe like Peyton going to Denver, maybe like Tebow going to the Jets. Like, hey, this is it, this is it. We don't know what's going to happen, but we hope, because of what already has happened, that, man, there's going to be victory. So these folks say, man, there's going to be victory. It is coming down on Rome. When they were laying down palm branches, palm branches, this was a symbol literally of victory, of triumph. And they were saying, 
Roman rule is, is no more. The Messiah has come. And he's going to bring us this victory where now all roads aren't going to lead to Rome, they're going to lead to Jerusalem. Where now, not citizen of Rome isn't the big deal, citizen of Israel is a big deal. Big deal. Going back to King David. Now there was victory. Victory. And there was victory. And Jesus is victorious. But not necessarily the victory that they want, or that they wanted. They were crying out, Hosanna. We've sung today, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna literally means, oh, save. Oh, save us. Oh, save us. So they're crying, Hosanna. They were laying down palm trees saying, save us. Save us from what? Save us from poverty. Save us from being the low folks on the totem pole. Save us from no status at all. Save us from being spit upon. Save us and reign with your kingdom in power and might and rule. That's what they thought. That's what they wanted. That was their kingdom. That was their victory. And Jesus is victorious. And Jesus was bringing another kingdom. But it may not have been the one that they wanted. And it may not be the one that we want. May not be the one that we want when we get really honest with ourselves. So here's what's happening. We, we look to Jesus for victory. We want to win. We want to be triumphant. We want victory. We cry out, Hosanna, save us. How do we do this in this day and age today? Jackson, Mississippi, in this church, another church. What happens? Here's our victory. Jesus is good for business. Jesus is good for business. Hey, you know, throw in the, the Jesus and, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a good Jesus follower. Hey, we can strike a deal. We can do that when we're on the same page. I love Jesus, you love Jesus. We can, Jesus is good for business. Jesus is good for business deals in the church. Hey, let's go to the church where, you know, we can, we can get with the right people, have the right status, make the right deal, make it work. Jesus is good for business. It's good for victory. Jesus is good for politics. Whatever side you want to choose, left or right. The right over here, all the, the moral issues that we know and are concerned about. They throw the Jesus card and the Christian card, and it's good to win votes. And even on the other side now, you got the liberal end claiming Jesus on why they raise taxes and help the poor and good works and all that. Jesus is good for politics. Jesus brings votes. Jesus is good for status. Jesus is good for relationships. How many of us have either seen people or even done this and be like, hey, you know, I'm your good Christian friend. You know, I'll pray for you and then we can get in good with this relationship. Or, hey, I'm in this Bible study with these key people. Now I can get to know them real well. It's good for our relationships. It's, he's good for our status. And there we win. Business, politics, relationship, status. Is he our Hosanna? Is he our true Hosanna? Or do we use Jesus so we can be Hosanna? Other times, man, we fall on our face. We say, Hosanna, help me, save me. It's when we're, we're sick physically. Cancer, physical problems. You know, Jesus, heal me, save me. Marriage is broken. Divorce or headed towards divorce. Jesus, heal me. Save me. Lose your job. Don't have a job. Still don't get a job. Jesus, save me. Hosanna in the highest. Broken relationships. Jesus, 
heal this, save me. We cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Emotional problems, physical problems, job problems, relational problems. We cry out, Hosanna. We do, we come to the altars. And that's good, that's good because he will save us. But what if at the end of the day those, those problems don't just like go away? Is he still our Hosanna? Is he still our Savior? Because winds can change quickly. And it did for the Jewish people. It did that week. Because when they started getting to know Jesus and they started getting, hey, this kingdom is not like about taking over Rome. When he says, I'm going to destroy this temple in three days and then rebuild it. Like, whoa, this is, my, this is my temple. You know, this is my house. You, Jesus, are not above the temple. And the Pharisees were so jealous of him. They were like, hey, let's turn the tables on Jesus so that the people think he's a fraud and they will nail him to the cross. And that is what happened. So he went from Hosanna, Messiah, to killed as just the lowest of the lowest of criminals. And things turn. Look, John 19. John 19, verse 14 and 16. They cried out, Hosanna. Listen to their cry now. Verse 14 says, He, Pilate, said to the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? Shall I crucify this man that you claim was Hosanna? And the chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to be crucified. Hosanna, crucify him. Hosanna in the highest, crucify him, kill him. He's not king, he's a joke. He's not giving us the kingdom we want. He's not giving us the salvation we want. He's not giving us the victory we want. He is a fraud, so kill him. For us today, how many of us have ever said, crucify him? I know he's never said that, but have we ever said crucify him in our heart? Here's, here's what I mean, like, when, yeah, you got to have another surgery, and then another surgery, and then another surgery. And it doesn't look like there's going to be any physical healing. Yes, when the doctor says it is cancer, it's terminal. Do we, after we've prayed and prayed and prayed and had our prayer gatherings, what do we say to Jesus then? When we pray for a child over and over and over again, and our wife, or our loved one, our family, they, they still don't get pregnant. What do we say to Jesus then? When we still don't get a job, when we go without a job, is it Hosanna or crucify Him? When the relationship doesn't heal, when the marriage doesn't heal, when, yes, we're looking towards divorce, when, yes, that person who continues to step on us over and over again, we say, God, just please, like, either get them out of my life or... You know, just do something, shut him up, and he still does it. When God says, I'm not going to take away that thorn, my grace is sufficient. Do we claim Hosanna, or do we claim and say, crucify him? What do we say? People I know and love have easily said, in their heart, crucify him. No way. 
this God, this Savior. No deal. My victory is not met. My salvation is not seen. My wants, my desires, my kingdom is not lifted up. Another way we can crucify him is when he calls us to something that is so greater and so more powerful in our lives, but it would like really jack our lives up. That's what I'm talking about here is when Jesus says, you know, you're going to have to keep that thorn. It's going, it's going to live with you. Are you okay with that? It's when Jesus says, take up your cross. It's a cross. I'm calling you to carry that cross. I'm calling you to carry that cross. I promise you it'll be an example to others. I promise you it'll allow my kingdom to be raised. Can you carry it? When he says, die to self. When he says, if you want to live, you die. If you want to just keep striving to live, you're not going to find it. When he calls us to be a preacher. When he calls us to be a missionary. Now, hey, that's, the, that's like the Sunday school where God's calling you. Here's the tough stuff. When he just calls you to be a Christian. Wow. When he calls you to live like Christ. Wow. It's something greater. Like when he calls you to forgive. When he calls you to repent and own up. And strive for unity and strive for healing. Can we do that? Is he our Hosanna then? Or do we crucify him? He is our Hosanna. He is our true Hosanna. He is our Savior. It just may not be the salvation we think we need. It may not be the saving that we think we need. It may not be the Hosanna that we think we need, but it is. And so often people use Jesus, the true Hosanna, so that we can be our own Hosanna. And if we don't come out being Hosanna, then we turn from the true Hosanna. Because we don't know what all he's done. I mean, we really don't know. And if we knew, it would be life changing. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Why celebrate Easter? Why honor this week? Why, like, do this church? Why do and honor Christ? Why is it not a charade? Why is it real? Why is it legit? Why is it salvation? Why, 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 why? Today on Palm Sunday, I really want to tell you why. I really want to tell you why Holy Week matters so much for you, for this church, for us. Here's why. Four reasons. One is just like bullet points, okay? Bullet points. As I spit, I'm sorry, Leslie, excuse me. That's why nobody sits up here. (laughs) For real. Why? Why? First off, bullet points. Jesus loves you. You know, I mean, hear me. He loves you. In spite of what we've done, in spite of our heart condition, He loves us. He loves us. Jesus has given us victory. Victory. True victory. Victory over the grave. Victory over the grave. So that we, we don't have to know death. We live forever with him. And one day, as Christ's body was raised, ours will too. It's victory. And even deeper, even in the heart, Jesus has given us victory over our sin. That sin that's deep within our hearts. That sin that we try to cover up. That sin, those thoughts, those feelings, those patterns, 
He's given us victory. Scripture. That was just bullet points. How does Christ give victory? Why does it matter? In Acts. Acts 2. You know, I love the disciples. I love the disciples because a lot of times I'll read Scripture, and I've said this before, and I get real discouraged, like, in my life, man, you know, couldn't do that. You know, couldn't, I don't know if I can be Paul. I don't know if I can be like Peter. But before they actually, like, became Peter and Paul, I get really encouraged because, you know, the disciples, like, never got it. And even after they saw Jesus raised from the dead in Acts, Acts 1-6, they said, hey, is now the time when you're bringing your kingdom down, and now you're going to rule. Now the kingdom of Israel will be restored. Even then, even 40 days when he'd shared with them things of heaven, they didn't get it fully. And it was only after the Holy Spirit rained down on them and they had seen Christ ascend. And they had said, wow, we get it. This is, this is life-changing stuff. This is the real victory. This is the victory we never knew we had. This is real salvation. And Peter cries out, Acts 2, love Acts 2, this sermon, but... He says, Acts 2, 23, This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by. It was not possible for Jesus to be held by death. God raised him up. And then how it matters for us, go down, verse 26. Quoting David in the Psalms, My heart was glad, my tongue rejoiced, my flesh will dwell in hope. You will not abandon my soul. He will not abandon your soul to hell or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Why does it matter? Because He will not allow our souls to see Hell, He will not allow our bodies to see corruption. You have made known, He has made known the paths of life, the only path to life. That is the way, the truth, and the life. That is Jesus. Why does it matter? Because He has saved us. He saved us. Scripture proclaims it. And when we, when we forget about, oh, I've got to act this way and this way and do this and check this box to be the good Christian. And we know Jesus has died. Jesus has risen again. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. And when that happens to you and then when that happens to a church, it is not the same. And that's when cities change. And that's when a church will willingly send people to unreached places of the world to say, man, I'm not just going to get my passport stamped. I'm going because they don't know Christ. And this is salvation. That's what it's all. That's victory. It's real victory. And it's not what you do. It's what you, what you believe has been done for you. For you. What is victory? I love Hosanna. That was just sung. And I love the words. What is, what is the true salvation? What is true victory? Heal my heart and make it pure. The words go. That's possible in Christ. Heal my heart and actually make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Things the Holy Spirit will show you, will show us. Help me love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am, everything we are for your kingdom's cause. As we walk from here, earth, to eternity. It's the real deal. It's why this week matters so much. It's why... 
That's why we stand here and proclaim this. It is, it is the gospel. Try to answer why just by bullet points. Try to answer why by scripture. Try to answer why by the words of a song. And I just want to close. I want to answer why by a story, a parable, okay? Jesus preached in parables. He, he spoke in parables. And this is, this is a real-life story. So it's, you know, it's like real deal. It's not Sunday school-type story. And it, it's a story from a movie, not a true story. A movie probably... Uh, None of you have ever seen. I actually hadn't seen it. I heard it from a, a pastor mentor of mine up in St. Louis, a guy by the name of Darren Patrick. The movie is called Three Seasons, and I think it was in the late 90s. It like won Sundance, so, you know, art house film and everything. Set in Vietnam and featuring two, two people, a guy and a gal. The guy's name was Hai, Vietnamese. The girl's name was Lon. And high was a um, rickshaw driver, which what that is is like a taxi driver in Vietnam where it's on a bicycle. And they're, they're shuttling people all over the city. This is set in Hanoi, Vietnam. And so high is this rickshaw driver. And he's taking people to and from. But he's really this good guy. I mean, he's got this pure heart. And everybody around him are, are really corrupt and trying to cheat one another and swindle one another. But high is... Uh, He's got a pure heart. He's a good guy. And he takes someone and drops them off at the most exquisite hotel in Hanoi. Five-star, beautiful hotel. And he sees an even more exquisite, beautiful girl outside it. And this is Lon. And he meets her and he, he says hello. And anyway, he comes back and forth to this hotel and he continues to see her. And then he realizes that she is a prostitute. Prostitute. Again, not Sunday school store here. And so she's there, you know, at this hotel, you know, doing her trade. And, but still, he's like, this is, this is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And he gives her a ride on his bicycle, on his, on his rickshaw. And anyway, he begins to do it daily or weekly. And at first, she's kind of like freaked out. You know, who's a stalker cat? Who's a stalker, you know? But they develop a friendship as he is shuttling her to her apartment and taking her home. And he begins to get to know her, and he begins to get to know her heart. And what she is trying to do is do her thing to get her out of this lifestyle. And she said, you know, I, I just wish that one day I could afford staying one night in this hotel... And then she said, you know, and even more, I would love to just be able to stay all morning. Because you know what happens is, sunrise, hey, get out. You know, done. Here's money. Game over. And I'd love, she said, to just order room service and breakfast. And so he, he begins to fall in love with Lawn. How does. And so anyway, there's this big bicycle race. All the businessmen and merchants kind of come together because they don't want the rickshaw drivers to get mad. And they have this race, and the winner gets a year's salary. And so literally, this salary could change a person's life because, I mean, they're very poor. And if you win the race, you know, you got a year's salary and all this money. So, High enters the race. And anyway, in the movie, there's supposedly there's this big cocky guy, you know, who thinks he's going to win like there always is. And so it ends up being High, the humble, pure guy, and this cocky dude who's, you know... 
and the cocky dude crashes at the end and, and high wins. And he wins all this money. All this money. It could literally change his life. It could raise him to another status. He could go get educated. He could, he could move. He could do all these things now. What does he do? He wants a night with lawn in that hotel. Now bear with me here. So he invites her and she's like, all right, know what's going on now. And comes into the room, gets the penthouse suite. Penthouse suite. And she comes in and he's there and he said, I've bought this, uh, I bought this totally pure white dress and I want you to wear it. You know, please go change it. And please also take off all the, you know, prostitute type, type stuff, makeup and all. You're, you're beautiful without that. You're beautiful. So she goes in, changes, and comes back out. And, you know, she's thinking, okay, you know, what I got to do? And he's like, no, I, I just want you to go to the window over there and, and just look out across the city. Just, just stand over there. I just want to see you in the, in the light there. So she does. And she comes back and they sit down together and they simply talk. And he treats her like a human being. And, and they talk till she gets tired. She falls asleep. And then he just watched her the rest of the night. Next morning, wakes up, says, man, I want you to sleep in. I'm ordering room service for you, for us both. Orders this great platter of room service. She sleeps in. Then she goes, and they go their separate ways. And he doesn't see her for a couple weeks, and, and he wonders, you know, where she is, what she's been doing, because he goes by the hotel, and she's no longer, she's no longer working. She's no longer standing there, and he, he doesn't know. So a couple weeks pass. He says, I'm just going to go to her apartment and try to check her. I hope nothing's happened to her. So he, he goes to the apartment, and she yells at him outside the window as she sees him. And she's like, I can't stand you. I can't stand you. And he's like, well, what have I done? What have I done? And he meets her and she says, I can't, I can't work anymore. I can't, can't do that anymore. Because of, of how you've treated me, what you've, what you've done for me, how you've, how you've loved me. I, I can't go back to that life. It's, it's done. It's over. It's gone. Y'all, that, that story, the why... The why I keep asking you, why we do Easter, why we do that's the gospel in a parable. Because the truth of the matter is all of us have prostituted God in our heart. Yet we have a Savior who had ultimate power, ultimate authority, and did not use that to condemn us, but used it to love us and save us. And he sees you in this white dress and in purity and how God created you. Like you're beautiful. And will comfort us and love on us and talk to us. And the way the gospel works is when we know that and we feel that, we're like, it, the old life is gone. I, I can't anymore. I can't live that way. I can't do that because of what Jesus has done for us. That's the gospel. That is the answer to the why. That's why we do Holy Week. That's what it's all about. He has saved us. He is Hosanna, our true Hosanna. Let's pray together.
Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. May we know in our hearts how you love us, how you've redeemed us, how you've saved us on the cross. May we turn from sin and say, because of what you have done, God Almighty, God All-Powerful, may we turn from it because you have loved us so much, because you love us now. Dear Lord, our minds and our, our works and even our hearts can get caught up in the things of this world and, and what we've got to do and our victory and our salvation and, and even, unfortunately, being our own Hosanna. Dear Lord, break us softly where, where we see how much you love us. What you have done, that the cross is a, is a literal event. It's a historical fact. Resurrection is a historical fact. And it was done for us. It's done for the world that they may know that you are Hosanna. Let us preach that. Live that. Let us say we, we can't go back. We can't go back because what you, Jesus, have done for us and how you've loved us. In the name of Christ, Jesus, Lord, Savior, Hosanna. Amen.